So I'm taking that as everybody said, let's go ahead and get started. We'll go ahead and do that this morning. Glad you've stayed for class. If you were with us last Sunday, you know that we started a series on, in Bible class entitled The Influencers. And what we did, the way that we started out last Sunday morning, was that we introduced that buzzword, an influencer. And, of course, we talked about what an influencer was. We gave a couple of definitions. This one comes from the, uh, um, uh, the uh, uh, <coughs> marketing, Influencer Marketing Hub. I lost my, my, the name of what I was trying to say there. An influencer is someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with his or her audience. Now, when we're talking about an influencer the way that they're talking about it, they're talking about people on social media who uh, do things that, you know, cause people to want to be following after them. Another thing that they also said, an influencer is someone who has a following and a distinct niche, and that is with whom he or she has actively engaged. The size of the following depends on the size of his or her topic on the niche. And so basically what we're talking about is an influencer is someone who has influenced the authority over the trust of someone else, uh, a group or certain people, so that they can cause them to act or react in a certain way. And what we understand is, from our study last Sunday, is that all of us have influence. That influence that we have continues on with us, uh, whether you know it, it starts when we're born and continues even after we die. 
We talked about all of those things last week. Now, I hope you have your Bible with you. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5 at verse number 13. And you can remember, as I mentioned last Wednesday night, this is a Bible class. And so if you have a question or a comment, feel free to, to join in with us as we do this. Uh, I said that I was going to have to have have to relearn how to teach a Bible class uh, after having sat there and looked at a camera over the past year. But if you have a question or a comment, please feel free to jump in with us. Matthew chapter 5 at verse number 13. This should be a very familiar passage to every single one of us who is a Christian. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Again, as we look at this passage, we know that it's in the context of what is called the Sermon on the Mount. There is a lot that is said in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, which encompasses what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. But this is just one phrase, but it's a phrase that has to do with our influence. It's a phrase that has to do with Christians being influencers over the world. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, three things that I want us to deal with this morning, three main topics that we'll talk about. Number one this morning is simply this. In this passage, we see a description to discern regarding Christian influencers, a description to discern. Now, what is the description? Well, the description is salt. You are salt. That's the description that Jesus is giving us, talking to you and to me even today, and saying that you are salt. Do you realize that salt is necessary for life? When we think about salt, sometimes you know that your doctor may tell you that you have to consume less salt so that you can keep your blood pressure down. But did you know that salt is necessary? It has to be there for us to maintain life. According to Harvard University Health, they say that the human body can't live without some sodium. That's salt. It's needed to transmit nerve impulses. Contract and relax muscle fibers, including those of the heart and blood vessels, and to maintain a proper fluid balance. And so salt sodium is necessary. Now there's a term, and I hope that I'm pronouncing this correctly, hyponatremia is a condition characterized by low levels of sodium in the blood. Its symptoms are similar to those caused by dehydration, in severe cases, the brain may swell because of the lack of sodium. Uh, the brain may swell, which can lead to headaches, seizures, coma, and even death. Certain populations, like older adults, have a higher risk of hyponatremia. And so when we look at it, we know that salt is necessary for life, for physical life, to be maintained. Now, as Christians, we are the salt that is to be shaken into the world to make life better, to make life possible, to make eternal life possible in particular. And we can't allow the world to exist on salt substitutes. Uh, have you ever been told by your doctor that you've got to limit the salt, but you might try one of these salt substitutes? Have, have you all ever tried one of those things? Now, that's not salt. 
It's not even close to Saul, the ones that I've seen, tried. And so I want the real thing. And that's what we as Christians need to be. And so salt is necessary for life. But you know what? Salt is used as a preservative, isn't it? Isn't salt used as a preservative? How many in here are old enough to remember killing hogs? Anybody, anybody ever done that? I grew up on the farm, and so I remember it. You know, one of the things that you did was that you took some of the meat and you put it in salt. You covered it up with salt. We had, my granddaddy had built a, uh, a big uh, vat-like kind of thing which uh, had salt in it. And you'd put the meat in there and you'd cover it all up. Now, why in the world would you put it in salt? Now, earlier in earlier years, they didn't have refrigerators and freezers and things like that, so they put it in salt. But why in the world would you do Do you just want to make it taste like salt? Well, in early days, they would put it in salt because it preserved things. You see, there are microbes that spoil food. And these microbes have to have moisture in order for them to grow, and the salt draws out the moisture and won't allow the microbes to grow. And so it preserves, it becomes a preservative for the meat. I don't know if you've realized it or not, and I'm pretty sure you have, that we have decaying moral conduct all around us in our nation. And it's begging for something to preserve our nation. It's, it's just calling out. We need something that, uh, that is causing these microbes, if you will, of moral decay. We need them to be checked. We need them to, to stop, to, to keep uh, them from continuing to permeate the society itself and to continue rotting it from the inside. And so as we look at it, we know that we need some preserving power as Christians to go out and to be the preserving power for our world. Unless something's done and unless it's done quickly, our nation is going to completely rot from the inside. It's going to completely decay. But then not only that, but salt causes thirst. Salt causes thirst, doesn't it? Now, as you think about the idea of salt causing thirst. I want you to think about your own life as a Christian. Is there someone, some certain person maybe in, in your life who has inspired you to be a Christian and to live better as a Christian? Is there some person that you can think of that has influenced you in that way? Maybe, maybe you do. Maybe you, maybe you can think of someone. Maybe it's a parent or a spouse or a friend or a co-worker or a neighbor or whoever it might be. What inspired you from then? If you can think of somebody. What caused you to want to be a Christian from then? Was it a, a happy and wholesome life that they were living? That you wanted your life to be like theirs? that you wanted to pattern your life after their life. Maybe you even call that person the salt of the earth. And you knew that you wanted to be like that person. In other words, what I'm saying is simply this. You began to have a thirst. A thirst for a good and proper and Christian wholesome life. Because of the person that you see, because of the person that, you, uh, that has influenced you to, uh, to do what is good and what is right. 
Now, hopefully the world is uh, looking at us because the world doesn't have what we have. The world can't offer what we as Christians are designed to have. And so we need to be that thirst-causing agent in the world. Now, in order for us to think about that, I think in a proper way, I want you to look in that same uh, chapter, Matthew chapter number 5, at verse number 6. And here's a passage, another one that should be familiar to us, but the Bible says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Those who thirst after what? They thirst after righteousness. But what causes that thirst? What is it that causes the thirst for righteousness? Well, it may be that they decide, well, I know there's a God in heaven, and yes, I want to be pleasing to Him. Or it may be that they see you who's showing them the God of heaven and causing them to want to thirst after righteousness like you have. Now, blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. I said they may be looking at you. Look at Romans chapter 6 at verse 13. Romans chapter 6 at verse 13, Paul writes and says, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. In other words, what we are doing when we present ourselves to God, when we have become a Christian, is that we have done away with that old unrighteous life that we have, but we're presenting ourselves, notice what Paul said, to God so that we can be used for instruments of righteousness. There's that influencing power, that salt that causes people to thirst for righteousness because they see that in us. And if we haven't adapted our life to be righteous, if we haven't surrendered ourselves to God in order to, uh, to be an instrument of righteousness, we're not creating thirst like salt is to create thirst. We're talking about being an influencer. We're talking about how we can do that. We have to be able to create that thirst in people. But then not only that, we understand that salt gives flavor, doesn't it? Salt gives flavor to food. In the book of Job, chapter 6, at verse 6, here's what we read. I think it's very interesting. Job says, Can that which is tasteless be eaten without salt? <laughs> Have you ever seen that passage in the, in the book of Job? Can that which is tasteless be eaten without salt? You've got to have a little salt on your food in order to make it go down, right? Make it taste good. Then he goes on and says, Or is there any taste in the juice of a mallow? That word mala is hard to translate from the Hebrew. Some, especially the Jewish writers, say that uh, he, he's probably talking about an egg white. You know, an egg white doesn't have a whole lot of, a whole lot of flavor. You've got to have the whole thing in order to get the flavor out of it. But he says, you've got to have some salt. You've got to have some salt on your food. Job, probably the earliest book that was written in the Old Testament. And, and so you've got to have some salt. We've got to have some taste. Now, I believe that Christians can give flavor to life. I think we can. I think that's what God intends for us to do, not only to cause a thirst for righteousness, but I think God intends for us to give flavor to life. Look at a few passages. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 15, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We give flavor to life by helping people to get through the difficult times. And we give flavor to life by being with them in the good times. By helping them to, 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 to have joy in life itself. But thinking about that idea of, uh, of the bad times, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our, our affliction. Now, what is one of the reasons that God comforts us in our affliction? Paul goes on and says, Who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. There are times in our life when we need some salt. And when we're hurting, when we're going through the difficult times of life, we need some salt to make that part of our life better. But as Christians, we're giving that comfort like God has given comfort to you and to me. goes on and says, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are inflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. We've helped others. Paul said, you know, as, as the Corinthian Christians were going through it, you know, it, life began, they, he, they began to share and, and share in the things with him. Life can give flavor. Not only that, salt is to be spread throughout. To be spread throughout the entirety. Now, let me see if I can help us with some things here. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Saul approved of his execution. There arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. What caused the church, the gospel, I should say, to spread? Did, did Jesus pick out 12 men and say, I want you to be the ones who preach the gospel and teach the gospel? Yes. But as I look at the early days of the church, what caused it to get out of Jerusalem? Persecution, which caused Christians to have to leave. Now, who left? Well, Christians left. They were scattered throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria. But where were the apostles at that time? The apostles were still in and around Jerusalem. But what happened is these New Testament Christians left Jerusalem and went to Judea and Samaria. If you drop on down to verse 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the Word. They started carrying the salt, if you will, God's Word, and spreading that Word throughout. We, we need to spread our Word throughout. In the book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 23, we understand that that Word went into the, into the entirety of the world. It went into our world. But here's what I really want to get to. How far into our world, now listen to what I'm saying, how far into our world, that's your world and my world, 
How far into our world? Understand, I did not say the world. I'm not talking about the, the big world. How far into our world have we gone being solved? How far in our community, around people who are around us, at, at work, at school, whatever it may be, how far into our world have we gone? I said it's got to spread throughout. We know that the early Christians spread the good news. How far in our world have we gone being the salt, being the influence that God intends for you and for me to be? In the first place this morning, what we've noted is simply this. There's a description to discern regarding the influencers. That's what we're talking about when we're talking <coughs> about the salt. But secondly this morning, there is a danger <coughs> to dodge regarding Christian influencers. A danger to dodge. Look again at Matthew chapter 5 at verse 13. You are the salt of the earth... But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? If the salt has lost its taste. Now, when we begin to ask, how can salt lose its taste? Let's, let's think about our own influence and, uh, and, and the way that we, that, that, that we live. How can we lose our flavor? How can we lose our taste if it was, as it was in, in the world? Well, obviously, I think it would be easy for us to lose our taste if we fail to exhibit the qualities of salt that we just talked about. In other words, to be that preserving force, that thirst-causing force, that flavor-giving force, that permeating force. I think it would be obvious if we, if we don't exhibit those qualities that we would have lost our, our flavor, lost our taste. But here's something else. I think we can lose our taste when we become deluded by the sinful elements of the world. What do you mean by that? You know, you can put a little salt on, on a single bite of food and it'd be just right. It would taste, you know, just, just perfect. You, you get just the right amount on one bite of food, but if you put that same amount of salt in an entire pot of food... That's food, that salt is going to become so diluted that it really hasn't done any good. It, it, it loses its flavor for us, if you will. You've got to have enough of it. But if you look at yourself, and each one of us examines ourselves, if we have a little salt on Sunday and we get it diluted with worldliness on Monday through Saturday... It's sort of like putting that little bit of salt in that big pot of food. We've got to have the right amount in order for the taste to be there. Now here are some passages again that we need to remember. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God that is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't be like the world. Don't be conformed to the world. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but from the world. 
The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And then there's James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, looking at all of those passages, putting them together, what happens? Well, when we dilute ourselves, our Christian influence by worldliness, we're not having the flavor in the world. We're not producing the flavor in the world that needs to be produced. Okay? Now, we ran through that right quickly. But let's stay on this same topic right here. And let's go back and look particularly at the context of where this idea of being salt is found. Again, I've already mentioned it's found in what we know as the, uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, but it comes right at the tail end of what we call the Beatitudes. Uh, those are found in verses 3 through 12 of Matthew chapter 5, and we were looking at verse 13. Okay, And so in the context... Uh, of this beatitude. What's a beatitude? Somebody described a beatitude as uh, beautiful attitudes that we ought to be. That's the way they said that it, uh, the way they described beatitudes. But how is it that we can lose our taste? Well, as the salt of the earth, we can lose our taste when we fail to do what Jesus said in these beatitudes. Now, what were they? Well, looking at them, we know that beginning in verse uh, 3 there, to be poor in spirit. To be those who mourn. To be the meek. To be the ones who themselves are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. To be merciful. To be pure in heart. To be peacemakers. And if we fail to handle persecution correctly then we're not being or exhibiting the right attitude either. Those are, that's one of the beatitudes is to handle the persecution correctly. And so as we look at it, think about it, one way that we can lose our saltiness, lose our taste, lose the flavor, is to fail to be these things. And we don't have time to deal with them individually this morning, but I'll call you to go back and look and study through those, maybe this afternoon sometime when you get home. But then going on and moving on quickly, as we think about this idea of salt, we need to see a destiny to despise regarding the Christian being a Christian influencer. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 one more time. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? But then pay attention to the last part. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Now let me set this up for us. If we as Christians have lost our influence, lost our saltiness, then what is said at the end of this verse applies to us. Okay? Now let's study through it. Somebody might say, well, pure salt, that's sodium chloride, it, it, it's you know extremely stable and it, it's not going to lose its flavor. 
But if we were to go back to the ancient world, we would understand that salt was not always derived by evaporating seawater, leaving that pure white salt that's there. They would get their salt a lot of times from salt marshes. And that salt that came from the salt marshes was filled with other kinds of minerals and things uh, other than the sodium chloride. And so as it was being stored uh, and not being used, sometimes that salt would leach, as it were, out of the, uh, what was there. And so the residue that no longer contained the salt, that was no longer salty, was what was taken out and thrown into the street. When it lost the saltiness, the flavor, when that sodium chloride had leached from the rest of those minerals, then it was no longer of any use. It was no longer of any value. But what happens when Christians lose their saltiness? Two things that I want to point out. It may be that we need some discipline, church discipline, to be exercised. Especially if one has gone into the, to the worldliness that we've talked about. If one is not exhibiting the things that God had said that we are to show as Christian people. We know passages such as the one that we find in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 at verse number 6 where the Bible says... Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. That's church discipline that Paul is writing about in, in this passage. He's talking about to stay away from them, to withdraw fellowship sometimes, as, as we put it in the book of Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. Paul said, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught and avoid them for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. Again, to stay away from those who are not doing right. Titus chapter 3 at verse 10, as for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. You know what? It is our obligation as God's people to make sure that we're doing what God said in the way God said it so that we can be the salt, so that we can be the influence and influencers in the world, causing people to have flavor in life, causing people to thirst for righteousness. And it's the obligation of all of us as brothers and sisters in Christ to make sure that each one of us continues to do that. And I'm fearful that in modern America, in the Lord's church, we're forgetting that. And we're not ha having the influence that God intends for us to have. We have to be very, very careful. But here is something else. Not only should there be possible church discipline, but there also has to be an understanding that when Christians lose their saltiness, God will ultimately Himself cast them out. 
Look at Matthew chapter 13, verses 41 and 42 very quickly. The Son of Man will send His angels. They will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Look at that passage. The angels are going to gather the, uh, the ones who, uh, who are lawbreakers from where? He didn't say out of the world. He said out of the kingdom. He's talking about those who are Christians who haven't been living right. God will ultimately cast them out. Look at Matthew 25, verses 29 and 30. For to everyone who has will more be given and to, uh, he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In the end of, of what we're reading about the, the parable of the talents, the one, he said, the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. In other words... We have been given something by God, and if we're not using it, we're going to lose everything. Be cast into the fiery furnace. Matthew chapter 25 at verse 41, he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. In verse 46, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Good friends. This idea, this matter of saltiness, being salt of the earth is a serious thing. And if we're not using our influence as God would have us to do, we as Christians need to be encouraging one another to do that even more. But if we continue to fail at it, God Himself will handle it on the day of judgment. As we close this morning, every one of us should ask ourselves and truthfully answer the question, just how salty am I as a Christian influencer? How salty am I being for those who are around? Remember, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. And if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. We're to be Christian influencers. We are to be, as Jesus said it, the salt of the earth. Let's close out with a prayer. Holy and righteous Father in heaven, we are so thankful that we are able to gather today. Father, we're thankful for this Bible class period. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we'll consider the things that we've mentioned, that we'll study them further, that we'll apply them to our life, that we can be the salt that you would have us to be as we live our life here on this earth. Be with us as we leave this place this morning. Continue to protect us. Father, when we, when we sin, we pray that you will continue to forgive us. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.